Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Oshin, recording from Oaxaca in Mexico. And I'm Podrig, recording from Vancouver, as always. I miss you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been just over a week since Oshin left. I was over in Montreal for a few days, got to meet up with a few of the guys from Transit there and with Luke Van Dahl from Screens and with Guy English. Yeah, it was, got to meet lots of people and I was at this uh, Leonard Cohen memorial thing there, which was pretty special. And then down here to Mexico, so it's been quite a busy week, I guess. <laughs> While you're still in Vancouver, your iPhone got delivered. Oh yeah, that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe this episode can just be us talking about your nice new iPhone that you have and I don't have. Yeah, we can try that. I have some opinions. We can get into the notch stuff too again. Yeah, we can talk about the notch later on, but I guess there's other things as well about the phone. The phone is not all notch after all. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are some parts of it that aren't the notch. This episode is sponsored by Steam Clock, is something that we were supposed to say at the start, so there it is. I guess we'll talk a little bit more about them later too, right? Yep. They get more than just that one line for all their dollars. Exactly. So, yeah, how is the... Let's be extremely structured for the first question and then we can just veer off wherever. Uh, how's the hardware? I'm really happy with it. I remember, like, when we opened it that day in Vancouver and just this immediate sense of, like, oh, okay, this is very different than any iPhone I've had before, which is a nice feeling after you've spent a thousand plus dollars on a <laughs> on a new phone. <laughs> to be like, oh, yeah, this is actually different than my last one. That struck me as well. I, I mean, I bought the... 8 plus as soon as it came out so I had the two in my hand and I was a little bit envious what I wish I had done is waited until that day to decide which one to get yeah I don't know if the niceness is worth the extra few hundred dollars but I'm not sure the money is gone now anyhow so <laughs> in terms of how it feels I guess I'm so I'm coming from a 6s so it definitely feels heavier and chunkier, but not like overwhelmingly bigger. It doesn't feel like as if I'm after getting a plus phone or anything like that. It, it just, it feels like very sturdy and uh, very solid. The silver version is the one that I got, which is, I think, really beautiful. It's kind of like a complete chance that I ended up with this one. The night that we were trying to order them and I couldn't decide on color. But so Podrick was going to try and order one for me and I was going to try and order one for me as well at the same time. And I said, OK, Podrick, you try and get the silver one. I'll try and get the black one. And because I couldn't decide. So I was like, OK, let's let let's let Apple's servers decide which one <laughs> I'm going to get. But I'm really happy with the silver one. It's kind of cool. I like kind of having a white phone now as well. It's just another I guess it's just because it looks different than my previous one rather than like some intrinsic amazing thing about it it's just it's nice to feel like it's new and also I never used to like the white iPhones because they had white like around the edges of the screen as well whereas at least now this has black around the edges of the screen which which is definitely better and which of course makes complete sense with the OLED screen because having white edges around the OLED screen would have uh, would ruin a lot of the effect of that yeah the shiny like the really bright shiny chrome edges are really surprisingly beautiful has that scraped up or is it still pretty clean um it's oh why did you ask (laughs) (laughs) it's a a bit scraped up yeah that's i guess that's to be expected one thing that's weird about this phone because it's like glass on the front and the back and because there isn't a home button down there anymore it has happened on numerous occasions where either i've picked a phone up upside down and tried to use it which doesn't work or i've picked it up like back to front which definitely doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it doesn't work if you use it from the back okay i haven't seen that in any other reviews so that's good information that's a pro tip i mean i think i mean i'm not sure like are apple just trying to like keep this information like secret from the world or what but i mean Mm -hmm. i think it's it's important that we get this kind of information out to our audience 
There's only a screen on one side of this phone. <laughs> okay, well, this is why people tune in, I think. <laughs> okay, the camera. The camera is good. And actually, because I moved up from like the 6S, I love having... I mean, you've had this for the past while, right? Where you have like the two lenses or what yeah, you call it? Yeah, just, just since the 8 Plus, I was on a 6S before then too. Okay, yeah. Lots of the photos that I take are usually kind of like in the street, like of architecture or buildings or streets and generally anything symmetrical that I can find. I've never used to like zoom in just because just the I hated the digital zoom and it always stuff went really bad as, as soon as I started zooming in. So it's been really nice having this like new camera, like with the, the optical zoom and with the image stabilization and stuff. It's just kind of given me a lot more opportunities for like things that I can try to take nice photos of in the street and stuff. So that's cool. That 2x button is so much better than trying to like pinchy squishy zoom in yourself as well. I had completely trained myself not to zoom in manually and just like accept that the photo was not going to be zoomed in. And if I really wanted to in future, I could zoom it in in Photoshop later on or whatever. But now that that button's there, I actually do it. So The portrait mode as well is the first time that I've had that. How do you find like the quality of the portrait mode stuff? It seems like that other lens isn't as great when the light isn't good. Like I can quite easily see graininess in photos I take with that unless it's like pretty bright or a sunny day. But I love the effect. I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned before I have a little two and a half year old daughter and I have now have nine million portrait mode photos of her. <laughs> the eight plus is a lot faster as well than the my wife has a seven plus and the portrait mode photos take quite a bit faster, which is a lot better for a kid who won't sit still. Yeah, I guess I've just been messing around really, I guess, with the portrait mode, like front camera, selfie camera. I, maybe it's just like maybe it's more that like yeah you take a load of them and then every once in a while you get a good one I just the first time I tried it just the results were kind of like comically bad and like especially like when I did the lighting effect and like the bit that's going to like make the background be all black it just like it just seemed to pick like some random parts of the background that went black and other parts not and those uh, things are weird like I think the first I don't remember what they're all called but the first click over sometimes looks better and then they just turn into like moody photographer photos ones that have been over edited or over processed they're kind of interesting but yeah I don't find I ever want to use most of them and I think I get better results by just messing around with the like normal photo settings like the light levels and blackness and all that kind of stuff one thing that has annoyed me about this camera and I don't know is this totally about the camera or is it about the screen and like the way that it's reproducing the color or what exactly i feel like even like without any of the extra filters and and stuff on that it's taking like really high contrast images like way more high contrast than i would expect now i wonder could that be down to the screen and it's not so much i i hadn't noticed that before but i Probably don't pay that much attention, to be honest. I don't take, like, photographs as a hobby for the most part, so I'm not looking that closely. Yeah, I know I haven't done any, like, side-by-side comparison or anything. A few pictures that I've taken and been like, oh, why does that look so high contrast? It shouldn't be, but I don't know. If you look at photos you took with your 6S on your X or your 10, whatever, maybe that'll be an interesting way to tell whether it's just the screen seeming more high contrast or the... Are the photos themselves? Nah, man, never look back. Never look back. <laughs> <laughs> you just you take your photos and delete them immediately. <laughs> so Face ID, I met a few friends, like other indie developers in Vancouver, and one of them was saying that Touch ID has never worked well for him. 
and like throughout different phones and he's added his thumb like three different times done all the tricks you're supposed to do but for whatever reason it just fails more than 50% of the time so he was saying when he saw the criticism of face ID is like oh maybe it won't be as good he's like I don't care <laughs> like it'll definitely be better than touch ID is for me now so for some people I think it's been a lot better um, how's it been for you? I really like the feature and I like what the feature has then brought to the rest of the phone in terms of we'll get into like more of like the software implications of, of having hardware features like this later on. In terms of its reliability, I don't know, is it like about my beard or about like the way that I hold my phone or whatever, but when it works, it's it's good. And you either see the lock open or you see like your notifications, which have been obscured earlier on, the content pops into them and it feels kind of magical. Oh, so you have some feedback that it's worked at least right away. Like sometimes when I do Touch ID, it's unlocked the phone, but it's quite a small change on the screen. So it's hard to know that it's actually worked, you know? The thing is, I guess, that sometimes you don't want to be waiting around to be like, oh, has it unlocked? Which And that was one concern that I had about Face ID earlier on was like, before the phone came out was, am I going to like look at the phone, wait for it to unlock and then do the swipe to unlock the thing? So, excuse me, the swipe to like get rid of the lock screen. But you don't have to do that, obviously. You can, you can just pick up the phone and swipe and... If Face ID hasn't like authenticated yet, you can still swipe away the screen. You're left on another screen that says Face ID on it. And then as that processes, then that goes away and, and then you're into the phone. Sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes you're left on that screen for like a less than a second, a split second, but enough that it feels like, okay, the phone is doing its authentication thing now. And I hope I'm not holding this in a bad way. It's not invisible. Like, you know that the feature is there and it's happening. Sometimes it is invisible. Like, sometimes I do pick up the phone and I swipe and I'm in and I'm like, okay, something happened really quick that time. I'm not sure if it was because of the lighting or because of the exact way I was holding it. And then sometimes it fails. And you get, I mean, I guess over time you get to be aware of, like, the situations where it fails. Like, for example... Often if I'm in bed, it fails because I'm holding the phone too close or because I'm on my side. Or if I'm leaning in a certain way with, say, my hand covering my mouth, say, for example, just because I'm deep in thought, as I as I am wont to do. And then it fails. You're like, OK, yeah, of course it fails. You're covering your mouth, dumbass. But, uh, <laughs> but I guess you like learn these over time. I have found that I find myself like preemptively correcting situations where I know it's going to fail, which I guess is, is what you do as you get used to using a device. So if I pick up the phone and I'm like, oh, no, hold on, you're holding it too close to your face. That's going to fail. Like then I stretch out my arm more. and I'm like, OK, it'll probably work from here. So sometimes it works and it's like magic and sometimes it works. And it's like I know I have to just my posture or my position or my angle like to get this to work uh, but but I'm going to do it because I don't want to type in my code overall you think it's a big improvement over touch ID or I'm not sure if it's necessarily 100% an improvement like right now like that the first version of face ID is better than the like the latest version of touch ID that that is in your phone for example I mean there's plenty of situations where I found touch ID like a lot more convenient like say when I'm developing and the phone is sitting on the desk and I don't want to reach over to like hold my face over the phone and I don't want to pick it up either. Just situations where I want to be able to unlock my device without putting my face in front of it. I guess it's just like weighing up the different factors right now. Um, They Clearly, one of the big goals was to get rid of having a home button. And I think it would have any of the criticisms that I have of Face ID now would have been even 
more difficult if what they had done is put still kept put touch id but put it on the back for example um there's so many situations where that still would be an awkward thing to do or like would require like so much like deliberate thought and adjustment of behaviors that i think like for the goal of like let's get rid of the home button and use as much of the front of this phone as screen as possible and then that this is the first version of face id that they've come out with that like is part of what makes that possible i think it's good and i think it it's going to improve, I presume, and I think it's a step. So getting rid of the home button is a pretty big deal. It's like central to how you switch apps and how you use the iPhone. And now there's a bunch of new gestures. Does that make it weird? Like, does it still feel like iOS or does it feel like some new thing? It feels like an improved version of iOS. I really, really think that the gestures add like some a really great feeling of of fluidity and like a tactile uh, feeling to like m- navigating around the OS. I mean, we talked before about how like drag and drop was an example of how like directly manipulating content kind of changes how you feel and like how you like interpret what you're doing inside in an application or throughout a system doing multitasking or going home in this way where you're like grab onto the bottom of an app and like either you can fling it in one smooth motion and get rid of it or you can like have you move your finger slowly it moves slowly underneath it you can go in and out of these modes where it's okay now it's going to be multitasking but if i haven't let go of my finger yet i can still change my mind it's and it's not so much that these are things that i think you want to do day by day as in you don't want it's not like oh this is so good now i can like go halfway into multitasking but then change my mind but the sense that that gives you is of like that you're directly manipulating this content that's under your finger rather than like that there's a button here and okay yeah if i press this button once it does this thing and if i press this button twice it does this other thing i mean they're clear at least and so maybe that might be a slight difficulty like for some new users coming to this that like some of these gestures may be less intuitive than okay press a button or press a button twice but i think over time as this becomes like more more used and people are more aware of exactly how it works i think just that that feeling of like that tactile feeling of like directly manipulating your apps on the device just it makes the system feel like very fluid and uh, very interesting i think i remember when we were playing with it first of all we couldn't figure out how to do force quit i think i think you had to look it up in the end yeah it's it's pretty awkward to do force quit and i guess in a way maybe that is part of the design brief maybe yeah you have to go into this extra mode where you go into multitasking and then you tap and hold on a, any one of the apps that you can see and then each app gets a little red button in the top left that you can tap to like dismiss that app but you can also actually it's not you don't have to tap that button once you're in that mode then you can do the way that it used to work where you can like just swipe it up and off the screen and i've actually kind of gotten a knack now of like quite quickly getting into multitasking holding down my finger long enough for the red mark to appear but like just even as that's appearing if i start swiping up then that can that force quits the app obviously force quitting apps isn't something that like should be really important to you uh as we're working on different dev versions of of castro and stuff like that is something that i end up doing more frequently there yeah i could totally see the the aside you had there about it maybe being part of the design brief to make it harder to force quit apps. Like force quitting an app on the watch is, I didn't know how to do it until about two or three months ago when we were messing around with developing on the watch. And you told me, I think, and I've had an I've had a watch since the the day they came out, uh, and I don't remember how to do it now either. So if I, if I ever needed to do it again, I would need to look it up or ask you. <laughs> it's unbelievably rare to need to do it. Um, but yeah, to actually force quit an app fully, 
and not just remove it from the task manager or whatever. You have to like do a very obscure <laughs> dance with your watch. I wouldn't be surprised if they had specifically set out to make it more difficult. But one thing I, I wondered was like people who force quit their apps, they like go into the task manager and swipe up, swipe up, swipe up and get rid of all of them. And I wondered if like there would still be a clear way to get to do that once you know how to do it. And I think you said there is that like the red button that appears is in the same location. So you can just tap it. Yeah, you could just keep tapping that button, but you could also keep doing the swipe up. Once you're in that mode, you could swipe up, up, up. Okay, yeah. So that would have been a real statement if they made that hard, I think. Yeah, yeah. If you had like left that mode, like, yeah, as soon as you quit one app, it's like, okay, that's enough. Yeah, because there are definitely times when you, it's not that often, but once in a while you do need to force quit an app, but you almost never need to force quit every app. Actually, I, I kind of wish that they had done that. Just add a little bit more friction on like behaviors you're not supposed to do. It sounds a bit uh, ominous when you, you put it like that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of behaviors you're not supposed to do, reachability gesture is a real, like, it is the most difficult gesture I think I've ever tried to do on iOS. What is the gesture? You know, there's the home indicator area at the bottom. And so, like, if you swipe up, that's either that's going to, like, take you, can take you home or into multitasking. But so there's this, like, little, I can't remember exactly what size it is, but say there's, like, a 30-point bar along the bottom of the screen, essentially. A touch area that's not visible. Exactly, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean a, yeah. <laughs> touch area that has that home indicator inside in it. And you need to do a swipe which, like, starts in that area but goes down. It's, it's just very hard to, like, start a swipe in a small area like that and go down at the bottom of the screen. Let me see. I'm going to try and do it right now. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, come on, Oshin. You can do this. No, no. Okay, no. There, I did it. Like, it took me, like, six times to manage to do it. Okay. And I had to hmm. eventually use a second hand, um, which for an accessibility feature probably is not the best gesture in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. The other thing that seems like maybe it's fine, but it seems nuts to me, the control center being up at the top right just seems like you have to be using two hands to reasonably be able to get to that. Is that something you got used to? or I've got used to, I can reach it. Even with one hand, I kind of do this weird little shimmy where like I kind of like dance the phone down along the palm of my hand a little bit and then I can do it. Um, I already on my 6S used to do that sometimes to get to notification center. So, I mean, it's awkward, but technically I can still kind of get to the top of the screen even with one hand. But it's not it's not the kind of thing that you want to be doing all the time. And control center is the... I do want to be able to get into control center very quickly. The placement seems quite awful, actually. I'm not sure of a good... Like, I couldn't just say, oh, this is clearly this other thing that they clearly should have done because it's it's a difficult um, problem to solve. I mean, Control Center has had uh, many incarnations in, in its life. When, did it, when, when was it introduced? Like, iOS 7? Well, like, the idea of controls... I think there were play controls in iOS 3 or 4, right? I think in the multitasking mode, they would be like... Oh, in the multitasking, yeah, you could swipe over and then you play, pause, skip forward. So maybe... Like it could always be on the right in the multitasking or something. Yeah. But but yeah, it's hard to just say, here's what the solution is. Oh, I can't remember his name now. At underscore inside on Twitter. Um, Rambo, Guillermo Rambo. Because um, he had found like these videos inside of some like old 
like beta builds of iOS 11, uh, like demo videos, basically. And in those videos, they showed that that's where Control Center was. So, I mean, Apple have experimented with it being there. They have it where it is now. I would say I'm 99% certain it will move. If it doesn't move in iOS 12, I think it'll definitely move soon enough after that. Like, I think... So you're saying that sometimes Apple doesn't make the right call with design things? Are you preempting a conversation that we're going to have after <laughs> after the ad break? <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Uh, we should talk about Steam Clock. This episode of the Supertop Podcast is brought to you by our number one supporter, Steam Clock Software. Steam Clock designs and develops quality mobile apps. They've shipped a number of their own apps, like Party Monster and Waiting DJ, and they use what they learn from those apps to help them ship great products for their own clients. Steam Clock's work focuses on quality, polish, and user experience. One thing we haven't mentioned very much before even though SteamClock has very graciously sponsored our podcast a number of times, is that although SteamClock primarily design and develop for iOS, they also have a pretty good Android team that has the same high-quality product sensibility. So for companies that are maybe kind of Apple-centric that started with an iOS app and they now want to expand to Android, SteamClock's a really great fit. You can find out more about SteamClock, the services they offer, and the philosophy behind their approach to work at steamclock.com. Thanks again to SteamClock for sponsoring this episode. And once again, check out steamclock.com if you need a great team to work on your product. Thank you, SteamClock. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, thank you, Alan and Nigel and everyone else there. We'll be in touch as soon as we're ready to start Castro for Android. <laughs> we're saving up all our sponsorship money and it's all coming back to you. <laughs> okay, I think this brings us to the notch. Oh, the notch. <laughs> okay, just in case... Everyone knows what the notch is, but just to be clear, it's the sensor housing at the top of the phone where all the different new sensors that make Face ID work are housed, as well as the camera. And it cuts into the top of the screen a little bit, and there are like two little ears or horns where the display still shows to the left and right of it. And so if you don't know about this, the next segment's going to bore you to death anyway, but I felt like the NPR podcaster in me wanted to properly introduce the topic. So there it is. <laughs> uh, so the notch, the notch. It's kind of weird, I guess. Um, I mean, definitely before I ever saw the phone, I thought it was super, super weird. Um, and uh, was the butt of many jokes on Slack and many jokes back and forth between uh, my brother and I, and I guess many jokes around the world. But then <laughs> now I have the phone and it's there and... I guess it. I mean, it. It's become the aesthetic, I guess, of this phone in a way. You get so used to seeing the. That's the shape of the screen, and most apps extend up to the top, and you just get so used to seeing this shape as you use the phone throughout the day. Where apps are like lot much longer than they used to be. Um, sorry, excuse me, much taller than they used to be. Um, every app has big rounded corners, and almost every app has a little section cut out of the top of it. And that's what you get used to. And it stops becoming like just the butt of like some joke, like from a month or two ago. It's just like, okay, I guess that's my, that's my phone now. (laughs) Yeah, it's just how it is. And it it is, it's like a hardware design compromise. Like if it didn't have to be there, it wouldn't be there, right? (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like you, I mean, if when the day comes that Johnny Ive can appear in his white room and talk about how they've finally realized like the purest form of the iPhone, like finally, finally, finally. Um, that will be all screen, right? I mean, that will be... On both sides. Both sides will be screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it won't matter whether you pick it up back to front, upside down, 
Mm-hmm. I was going to say inside out, but that probably doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyhow, yeah, this, I mean, it's so yeah, it's a it's a compromise. They they kind of made it a kind of nice shape, I think. Like the curves all flow really nicely into each other. How much of an apologist do I sound like right now? <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you're like not trying to pretend that it's a new, that it's like actually a good thing. When like it would be better if it was just a full screen phone, and like maybe it can never be. Maybe this is just fundamental facts of physics. But yeah, acting like it's not some kind of compromise. The same way the uh, the camera juts out the back. Yeah, that's the only thing that annoys me about commentary on it. It's like trying to pretend it's a good thing. I mean, so one comment that I've seen, this is like slightly in the side, but it's interesting what you said there about like the compromise of, okay, yeah, the camera has to jut out the back. And they've stopped even like trying to hide that at all anymore. They're like, okay, there's going to be a big ass camera sticking out the back of your phone. And on this, the 10, like it's, this is more prominent than like I've ever seen. And even like, They've put like the nice silver border around it. Like it looks kind of like the same border that's around the rest of the phone and stuff. I mean, they've kind of tried to like own that that camera bump in a way. And right. I guess that's where they're coming from in their HIG and with their like they're owning the notch as well, I guess. And they're embracing it, I guess, is the, the common parlance. Has every app updated or are there a few that are not done yet? There's probably a ton of apps that I don't use that are like buried in some folders here that maybe not aren't updated yet. On my home screen, let me just check. The only ones here that haven't been updated yet are Google Maps, Simple Note and Weatherline. And I guess when I use those, it's, it feels strange when I use those apps and they have the giant bars at the top and the bottom. Yeah. Um, because they haven't been updated. Don't worry, folks. We're going to talk about Castro in a second. But <laughs> <laughs> so these apps that haven't been updated, they do feel slightly weird. As in, like, I'm contemplating, okay, maybe I should move, start using bare notes because maybe it's just time to, like, have a new notes app. Maybe I could try another weather app for a while until until the next version of Weatherline comes out or something. Or, mm-hmm. or no, I was go- I'm not going to use Apple Maps. So just Google, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please do us an update okay i'm my whole apple maps thing is not like some whole like the same joke from years ago where it's like oh apple maps is so terrible it's just i have so much like personal information in google maps like of all the favorite places that i've gone of like favorite restaurants and bars and places to stay and stuff and i just like that all that information is like on my map yeah i've used it for navigation a couple of times and it's been we don't need to start a whole apple map section but there, there was once when Google Maps gave me an insane route home and Apple Maps was right, but <laughs> I took screenshots. I was going to tweet about it and then decided not to. But so Is this us putting off talking about the notch in Castro? <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Um, so, okay, so this is what I think now. Well, let's just say what we did in Castro before we ever saw an iPhone ten. What did we do? Well, like... Before we had an iPhone 10 in hand, I mean. Yeah. Um, oh, we could go back even further. Let's talk about Castro 1.0. Get some popcorn, guys. This is going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> so in Castro 1.0, that was iOS 7. And that's when iOS first started putting the status bar on top of the app UI. Before iOS 7, the status bar was more or less part of the hardware. Like apps didn't have to interfere with it very much. And then in iOS 7, that was a huge new change in the design. They dropped all the skeuomorphic stuff and everything got very flat with very thin fonts. And status bars were drawn on top of apps from then onwards. In Castro 1, that was kind of a challenge for us to figure out because uh, it came out with iOS 7. So we wanted to follow the new aesthetic. 
But we also had these podcast artwork inspired backgrounds that made a huge difference to the legibility of text on top of them. And we transitioned back and forth between screens that were more or less bright or more or less dark. So we had to always change the status bar color to make sure that it would be visible. And like during an interactive transition, when you're like halfway back between it, there'd always be half of the status bar would look wrong because it would be white on top of a very light color or black on top of a very dark color. So in Castro 2, we never did include the status bar into the app itself. And we're one of the few apps that didn't do that. And I don't think many people noticed it maybe made the shape of the app feel slightly different and it maybe fed into some uniqueness of it. And it then eliminated any problem we had with interactive transitions going underneath the status bar and making things weird. So for Castro 2 on the iPhone 10, we just continued that. As I think we said this last week, but let's just tell the full story. We didn't have a device in hand. We decided that the most sensible thing to do was to do the minimum amount of work to make it work and then revisit it once we had a device in hand. So we hid the notch in the parlance, which means putting a black color in the top bar so that it's like the notch blends in with it and that the phone itself actually starts slower down. There, was that a good introduction of what we do? <laughs> yeah, that's the history of Castro's status bar. Good to have that down for archaeologists. Is Castro the only app you've seen that has tried to hide the notch? Yes, or at least the only one that does it all the time. There's like some kind of like modal views. So like in in music, when you push on the now playing screen or in mail, when you're composing a new message, uh, when Apple always had like that kind of card interface visible at the top where you can kind of see the top of the one behind. And those have like black behind the status bar as well. So the status bar kind of blends in in those modes. The justification that I've seen for it is that they're more modal views and it's kind of to indicate that like you're not really in fully in the app right now. You're, the main app is still in the background, but you're just looking at this modal UI. In terms of music or podcast or something, that doesn't make quite as much sense to me because a lot of people seem to like to like stay on that screen when they're playing podcasts or playing music. Um, I think it even pushes on automatically in some cases. So um, I don't completely get the logic behind when Apple think it's fine to hide the notch by putting black on either side of it and when they don't, but overall they don't want us to. But that's not enough of a reason, right? (laughs) Because Apple don't want us to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we had a few reactions. They noticed that the app had updated for it and like all the stuff at the bottom, the home button all makes sense and landscape and everything works, but that the the top part was hidden. So there were a few reactions on Twitter to that. (laughs) Got some attention. Um, Some people liked it. Some people told us, finally, there's an app that's doing it right. Yeah, I'd say they're in the minority. I'd say it's maybe a quarter at best of the reactions were positive to us hiding the notch. I think there was a lot of surprise as well. Yeah, as in like, why would you Why would you do this? Yeah, like shock. <laughs> um, most of the reaction was negative. And then like a lot of people were just very, very critical while also acknowledging that their own opinion flipped as soon as they saw the device, which kind of... Yeah, that's basically what we did. We'll talk about what we'll do to change it later, but that was our experience too, that like before we had a device, we thought, let's hide this. I think it'll look better. And now that we see it, obviously it's the other way. So yeah, I guess the mixture of like harsh criticism combined with an acknowledgement that they would have done the exact same thing was kind of like, okay, fair enough. There were a few ideas that came up in the thread. This, I think it might be interesting to go through because I think some of them are pretty easy to debunk. Like one vague idea that I'm going to sum up 
under the heading Apple Knows Best is this idea that if Apple tells you to do something, you should do it. Uh, follow the Hague all the time, um, blah, blah, blah. And I think this is kind of nonsense. I mean, for the most part, yes, you should read the Hague, you should understand it and then know where to break it. But Apple makes plenty of mistakes. Apple Music has plenty of issues. Um, like Apple makes a podcast app. Would we make a podcast app if Apple's one was perfect? I don't know. We're kind of silly, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's actually, yeah, okay. That point isn't as like as hard-hitting as I thought it would be. <laughs> but yeah, even if you just look at Apple hardware, like think about that wireless mouse where the lightning cable goes in underneath the bottom of it which is maybe that's okay but like it seems like maybe not the greatest hardware decision ever so yeah i don't like that general meme of like oh just follow you know follow the ways of apple they know best because the whole reason there are third-party apps when apple makes a first-party version is because there are different ways to do things and that outlook is very i don't know it's like dis almost discouraging experimentation or any kind of design exploration so i really yeah that one just seems kind of like nonsense to me yeah and well especially because we were already i mean apple already were wanted people to like have status bars integrated in their apps from before and we had already decided oh that's something that we we don't think is the right choice in this context um if we had an app like if Castro 2 before iPhone 10 was in the status bar, there's no way we would have, like we did the least design impact change we could, right? So we would have just gone with it for sure. Yeah, that's true. It is less about, I think you responded to someone who was saying we were trying to pretend the notch didn't exist. Um, yeah, I thought your response was good that like, no, we're trying to take our time and thoughtfully design it properly. We're not trying to pretend it doesn't exist. Exactly, yeah. Do you think, should we have just like held off, like not even done an update until we had hardware. I wonder about that now, that we were trying our, I guess, our best guess of what would make sense. And we wanted to be ready for the new hardware. Yeah, and we wanted to be there on day one. And we had had some contact from the app store. It was like some sense that perhaps if we managed to get an update out for day one, that there was some promotional opportunities and stuff. So I asked that question. And then as soon as now I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we generally try to be there on day one. With, with stuff if we, if we can at all I think if we'd known this would be anyway controversial maybe that would have been another choice is like acknowledge we don't know how it's going to feel without a device so we're just going to wait and plenty of apps did that and are just letterboxed right we could have still released an update within a few days so that's definitely a way to handle that stuff in future Apple doesn't give us devices in advance so like we can't necessarily have our apps ready perfectly in advance either. But yeah, if we hadn't updated it at all, there would have been no reaction. It would have just been like, oh, they haven't updated their app. We would, I'm sure we would have had people. We actually, we still get people asking us, are we ever going to update the app? Because <laughs> uh. that was, that was another reaction from three or four people was saying, no, there's no way that they would hide the notch. So they must not have updated it. And that was our fear. We mentioned that last episode that we thought, by hiding it, it would just look the same as ones that weren't updated. Yeah, and I don't think that is even necessarily like a like a very conscious thing. Like, oh, there's no way they would do this. It's just like, like say they, somebody has Google Maps installed, they open it, and there's black bars at the top and the bottom. Um, if they're people who, and they don't think like a lot about design or something, like they open Castro, there's black bars on the top and bottom. Unless you have like a quite a specific like sense or, or you're like you're looking for it, maybe you don't notice that oh these bars are not the same size as the one in Google, for example. It's just this notion that like oh yeah, if a, if an app has black bars at the top and bottom, I guess this is one that hasn't been updated for the ten yet. One moment 
while we were submitting our update that did give me pause before any of this happened was when we updated our iPhone X screenshots. And, well, you updated them and then showed them to me. And I was like, oh, fuck, man, that looks like a Samsung. Yeah, no, I know. That's I can't wait to do new screenshots. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, that was one, like, yeah, okay, this is, this is maybe the best reason for Apple to, like, want stuff up in the horns there is to, like, keep it as a clearly different, distinct-looking thing, even though it is a hardware compromise in the first place. The thing that got to me about the notch reactions like were the very strong reactions of like absolute disgust and hatred in such a short time, like within a few hours of people having the devices. Puke emoji. Yeah. I guess I understand the emotion. You've got like a brand new thing and you want everything to work properly on it and you feel like this one thing isn't working the way you want. But like there's a lot to be outraged about and this is maybe should be lower down, like save some of your outrage for other stuff this would be maybe a good place to economize. I don't know. It made me think like maybe the worst legacy of Steve Jobs or like the Apple design era or Apple design community is this like that it's a virtue to get so upset when you see like a pixel out of place and that you go on Twitter and perform how outraged you are for everyone else to see so that they know that you're a great designer who has eyes and can see these things. And I think it just looks really spoilt and it kind of discourages, well, it certainly makes me question like why am i doing this stuff for people who are this obnoxious when some minor detail is wrong in the first few hours of them holding a device um so everyone be good okay (laughs) when i was in montreal last week and i was out with lunch with like all the ios developers from transit and we were talking a bit about this like what would we ultimately do with the notch and I said, now that I have a phone and that I've used it for a few days, I'm getting the sense that, yeah, it feels wrong to not, like, have our UI extend under the status bar on this phone. Well, that feels wrong. And also that the corner radiuses that we have feel wrong as well, just because you get so used to looking at this phone all day, which has, like, really large, like, rounded corners on it. So, like, then the small rounded corners in the current version of Castro end up looking like just like right angles essentially (laughs) at the time i was like i guess we will quote unquote embrace the notch at some stage but i was like i said i'm kind of think it's funny that people are getting so annoyed about it on twitter so we'll probably like we won't do it until castro tree just to like let people be annoyed for a while (laughs) this is this is how i think i don't think i really know how to run a business (laughs) (laughs) i think in terms of like battles i'd like to fight i think i'd rather start rounding people's artwork again then <laughs> sir than fight the notch. okay so we're going to embrace the notch in the next update and we're also going to turn all of the artwork back into circles just like castro one. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there are battles worth fighting and then there are ones that are not <laughs> so sorry to the maybe a quarter of people who actually liked how we hid, hid the notch that's going away because we i don't want castro to be an example of something weird or this to be a topic that comes up all the time because it's so draining to like it has nothing to do with the app being good or bad i don't want it to be just this discussion of like oh yeah you should embrace the notch and why Uh, why look at castro look at the state of that yep you gotta be embracing the notch um (laughs) someday an app is going to come out that hides the notch again and it's going to be not right at the moment when the iphone 10 first came out and it's going to 
somebody's going to manage to do it someday in a way that feels fresh or something or that like i mean trends come and go as well i guess so maybe it's some maybe someday there will be a trend where it's like okay a few cool apps come out and do stuff like that i'm not sure but now is definitely not that time and it's not the battle i want to fight either because especially because i'm not in that 25 percent of people who think it looks good like when i open castro (laughs) on my phone well at least when when i open one version of castro on my phone i think oh i wish this went to the top and when i open the other version of castro on my phone i think oh i'm glad this goes to the top and i'm looking forward to (laughs) releasing this to uh, other people So one thing about the iPhone 10 screen that got my attention before it launched that I, I wonder what your opinion is on it um, is a tweet. Maybe it was a blog post by Joe Chaplinsky. I'm sure I'm butchering his name. Uh, one of the release notes guys. He mentioned that because the side areas, like the all the extra space that the iPhone 10 gets, that you're not supposed to put much UI in there. You're supposed to indent it if, it's, if the notch is rotated sideways. At the bottom, you're not supposed to put too much interface stuff because the home button indicator is there. And he made the point that like, it's just like all the extra space around the screen is just like the glowing color of the app. It's not actually useful for anything. And that seemed pretty, number one, pretty damning and two, like pretty insightful. Does it feel like that or does it actually feel like a bigger screen? I mean, at least generally, that's what it's used for. I mean, there's some circumstances when you have a keyboard up, there's extra buttons that are at the bottom. Um, when you're in wiggle mode on the home screen, the status bar goes away now and there's a little done button that like appears up in one of the ears. Uh, there's a photo app called Hallied, I think it is, that has like extra information about the photo that you're taking displayed like instead of the status bar in the ears. Over time, other things may come from there. I mean, in Castro, I guess one thing that I like about it in Castro on the expanded player control screen is that like since the time elapsed and the time remaining aren't like they don't need to be interactive, they extend down like into that safe area at the bottom because they're not interrupting like with any other gestures or anything that has to happen down there. Um, so that can kind of just make it feel a little bit more immersive and I mean not specific to Castro in any way at all here but like just generally speaking I know you said it could be damning but also that feeling of like the phone feeling like a bit more immersive even if it's just because color is going all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom um it's it's actually a nice feeling (laughs) um when I looked at my 6S earlier on, I was like, oh, this is funny. But I mean, people say that all the time. I mean, that doesn't mean one is better or not. But I think what what it does do, it does lend lend itself to some kind of sense of like immersion. And I hopefully over time, there may be other other things that it, that come from that. It looks good, at least, I think. I was definitely struck by how nice it looked, like just pleasant. So it does feel more immersive when you that like having that like extra like blast of color at the top and the bottom i've seen people describe that on twitter and in reviews and stuff as like oh it feels like you're just holding a screen and there is no the device is all screen now and i mean notch aside it's not even obviously the notch is an easy part to like focus on why it's not all screen but there's a very distinct bezel (laughs) i mean the like the side bezels are not any smaller than they were on like the older phones i'm this is not me trying to like say anything bad about the phone it's just like what I'm aware of when I'm looking at it is that, I mean, it has a distinct aesthetic and the aesthetic is of like a uniform black bezel that like goes like around the edges of the screen. Uh, it's just that now it's more symmetrical because the top and bottom are like the same width as the as the sides. 
so yeah i'm always like very aware that like okay yeah it has this bezel and that's a nice aesthetic and and it looks good i guess the only times when i'm not so much is like when if like if i have a screen with like a lot of black content on it so say like my home screen i have a black wallpaper on it which seems to be the new cool thing to do for people who have iphone 10s or john Braden is working on a new black theme in unread that like has like just full-on black so that when it's on the iphone 10 literally the pixels are just completely off and like it uses less power and like it blends in more with the hardware and, and stuff like that in those situations it can be like then the screen like does like blend into the edges um yeah, that's perfect for Unread because it's so flat as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if other apps like do em- embrace like more of a like a full on black theme. Um, I mean, it's something we've talked about as well for for Castro and like should night mode be more black, for example. Yeah, um, I think we'd have to redesign the whole like so much of the app to do that because like when you think about. If you go to any tab in Castro and have a table view there, I guess the logical thing would be to have the background be fully black, right? So that if it's supposed to be a night mode, that the phone is as dark as possible. But then Castro has this depth hierarchy, I guess, where like the player is notionally underneath everything. Like the player bar and the top of the card is like the very back of the stage and then there's this big card that has the interface in it and then within that there's content but if that was totally black it would be like it was flat and we'd lose that depth I think I think I heard uh, Mike Hurley mention this on Connected that like more apps should make their dark modes be fully black and yeah it's definitely going to be a challenge for us to go straight to that anyway even us aside I really like seeing it in on red um, i be curious to see if Tweetbot, for example, embraces something like that. Or yeah, I look forward to seeing if if that happens in other apps. And I think maybe some of these questions that we have, I mean, maybe we can find answers to these someday if it seems like it's an important enough thing to, for us to focus our attention on. Or maybe some other designers and developers will end up like showing us how showing us how essentially. <laughs> it's hard too to use fully like totally dark black because you can't do shadows then anywhere or you can't like indicate any kind of bezels or anything yeah i remember at one stage trying to like when we still owned on red i remember trying to do like a completely black theme just out of curiosity i didn't spend a huge amount of time on it because i found it very hard to like to make it to make it look good i've only looked at like the new black theme in on red on my iphone 10 and i presume that it's going to look much better on the 10 than on lcd screens but i think john Braden has managed to like find some solutions there that like that make it work well um but it was definitely when i tried it was like something that was quite challenging to kind of figure out how to make stuff work when when the main color is no color at all yeah oh one thing about the screen though is i did watch like the last three episodes of stranger things on it and like that show is so... There was so much dark. There was scenes where it felt like there was only like a very small part of the of the scene was even lit. And it looked ama- amazing on the phone. Like sometimes movie makers complain about like people watching movies on cell phones or TV shows on cell phones. But yeah, David Lynch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was great watching it on the phone. <laughs> Speaking of Stranger Things, if you want to go to the Upside Down with your app and make an Android version... <laughs> nice segue yeah uh, you should contact Steam Clock Software our sponsor for this episode and many other episodes <laughs> I'd say that probably about wraps it up for this week thanks for listening all the way to the end again maybe review this in Apple Podcasts oh yes please that would be great 
Thanks, guys. Bye.